Welcome to the Digest from Digital Frontier, a weekly look at the tech trends dominating the headlines. And we'll dig into some of the stories you can find online at digitalfrontier.com with our journalists. I'm Ellie Jay, and joining me in the studio this week for our first ever Digest episode are our future of culture reporter, Charlotte Kroll. Hello. And our future of finance reporter, Isabel Castro. Hello. And remember, you can get in touch with us through our website, which is now live, or by emailing podcast at digitalfrontier.com. So first off, we're going to have a chat through some of the news stories that we've been looking at this week. And firstly, you should probably address the fact that the website has now launched. We are now live. Digitalfrontier.com is is online. Uh, And can you tell me what what you've got on the website, what you can find on there? Okay, so I mean, on Saturday, I have my piece on Prospera, which is a tech optimist city that is being developed by some founders. Um, I'm going to go into it a little bit more later on in our conversation, but that's on Saturday. That's a long read. And then I've got a piece about how blockchain is helping um, cross-border transfers um, there was another story that you're working on as well to do with psychometric testing and mm-hmm. uh, and getting a loan as well. How does how does that work? What's that about? Yeah, I'm actually in the process of writing that today. Um, so it's kind of aimed at people who don't have a very big credit file. So, I mean, this iteration from the company that I've talked to, they've developed it so that it's for people who don't have that much of a credit file but it's basically looking at your personality and they've determined traits which not just them like other scientists that have looked into it they've determined traits that could indicate that you're a good borrower so you'll pay back on time you'll definitely pay back and they've actually got like 82 percent accuracy on the people that have gone through it's like a game you have to play a game and they can, from this game, they can determine how conscientious you are, how determined you are. Like, I, I played the game. There was creativity on there. It was, yeah, it was a bit of a difficult game. It wasn't difficult in itself, but like difficult to understand what you had to do. But um, yeah, it was super. It's it really interesting how you can get that from just playing this little game. And a lot of what this company focuses on is kind of in areas that have huge um, populations of kind of unbanked people. So a lot of their focus initially was in in India, but they also partnered with lenders in South America and Africa as well. And it's just meant that they could, the lenders could accept more applications which is super important in those kind of areas because I mean I was looking at some data today and I think it said 65% of households in India don't have a credit score which is the standard thing of how you get credit so if it can open out credit to those households it's, it's amazing you can like so much can be done that isn't already accessible and what kind of like, what do you have to do in these tests? Is it like a mix of um, maths and and kind of puzzle questions and things? I'm thinking of it like um, either like the, the personality tests where it says to you, you know, you're an extroverted 
leader, follower, something or other, or the ones where they have the phrases where it goes, hand is to glove, like rat is <laughs> to... That's terrifying. Verbal reasoning. Yeah, like verbal reasoning ones. How? No, it's, it's not that hard. Um, <laughs> basically, what they said is that they reverse engineered the Myers-Briggs and kind of the five personality, kind of those kind of tests. And uh, so the game that they've created, the one that they gave to me was one for a student loan lender company. So they adjust it according to the kind of people that are going to be asking for loans. They do some for farmers, they do other stuff. Um, so the one that they sent me is you are creating a party uh, for you and your friends. So you have to buy a new dress, you have to uh, get artwork, buy the food, choose the food. Um, what else did I have to do? Oh, I had to get to the places to buy the stuff. So I had to choose whether I wanted to take a taxi or a bus. There was a couple of maths questions, like if you give this amount then how much change should you get and all that kind of stuff like quite accessible stuff and not all maths or verbal reasoning or anything like that it's like practical situations where you can do everyday things have you have you ever have you ever done one before I, done I have not but i i think you had mentioned how accurate these tests are mm -hmm. how do they measure that do they sort of go back to the candidates and you know, cross-reference and analyse actually how mm. accurate it was. How do yeah. they get that? How do they reach, I think you said 82% accuracy. 82%, yeah. So they do all the tests and then they go back and cross-reference it with the amount of loans that have been given and how many of those loans have been repaid or whether they've turned bad or anything like that. So 82% is pretty good. for, And most of these people are people who would be rejected otherwise like they told me that a lot of the lenders that they work with they use it on their kind of rejected pile of people and they just send them these tests and they're like look this is your second chance to like maybe be able to have access to these loans give it a go see how you do and then we'll reassess do you know how long it's been going on this psychometric um, testing the psychometric testing is really new like i've managed to find two uh, scientific papers that are both from kind of the past 10 years and they obviously reference other scientific papers but it seems to be uh, the earliest one in these references was 2010 but most of them are literally in the past like five to seven years and then they've been using this for I think they said about four years and obviously they haven't been active for four years. Like they had to build it. It's all AI as well. So um, they basically took some of the scientific uh, studies and then kind of combined it with their own data. There's machine learning involved. So the models are always improving. Um, I did ask them whether they could bring it to kind of like the UK and Europe, but they said that because it's using AI, there might be kind of issues with explainability. They haven't really looked into it because what they want to focus on is kind of areas where this is a huge, huge problem. So they're going to make the most difference. Um, but they said because of regulatory things, maybe it wouldn't be able to come to like the UK and Europe yet. And are some of the like world's leading banks 
getting involved? Um, Have you read anything about that? So they've partnered with Experian, which is one of the major kind of like credit score people. Um, So no major banks, as far as I could tell. They They weren't very kind of like forthcoming with all of their partners, but I know that Experian was their first partner. And then they've also partnered with kind of just lenders in South America and Africa who I've reached out to. One, the South American one, got back to me, but I haven't, um, then they never kind of set up an interview, but the others didn't, so. It's quite amazing. And Experian are quite a big, Yeah, they're, they're a big name yeah. in credit, in the credit score world. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, like, I was really taken aback that, they were like their first, their first partner Yeah, was that like, that's pretty good going. <laughs> to have like such a big name and also to be such, I know, like it does seem sometimes even like in the UK looking at credit score stuff, there are all these things that you have to do. It says build your credit score by doing this. And some of them are like by taking out a huge loan, by having a mortgage, by using more mm. credit than you should be doing. And you kind of think a bit like how am I meant to do that if also I can't get that because I don't have any credit lots of the things that could help you are inaccessible things and that's here so I don't know it seems like a quite cool idea yeah I thought it was super super interesting and you're right you can be like credit invisible for so many different reasons like if you've never used a credit card or never had a loan how are you going to do it like you've got credit builders and stuff like that now. They're using alternative data and all of that. But still, it's such a huge um, issue for something that's so important as well. Mm. Um, Charlotte, you've been in Paris this week. I have. Not just on holiday. Not even on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> for work. Can you tell us a bit about why you were, what you've been doing, what you've been up to? So I went to NFT Paris. Um nice which is a NFT-focused conference in Paris, would you believe? Um, it's the third edition, and it has all kinds of brands and platforms attending panel talks. So you've got Yuga Labs, they're the brains behind the uh, board Ape Yacht Club NFT, the kind of put NFTs on the map. Um, Animoca Brands, which is Web3 Gaming, you also had fashion houses there, Louis Vuitton, and also sports brands like Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona, who have moved their football teams into Web3 spaces with fan tokenization um, on the blockchain, etc. So lots of different um, areas, music as well. And yeah, it was it was a good conference, a range of um, informative and not so informative panels, made some good contacts there. And yeah, I think one of the, the best talks I went to was the Path to Mainstream, the digital fashion journey. So this is about making digital fashion more mainstream rather than it being this kind of, yeah, high high art form or high you know catwalk debuted stuff actually bringing it into into high street fashion um so this panel discussion there was all sorts fidgetal which is where the physical meets digital garments um talks about sustainability and the pros and cons of ai in the fashion industry 
Um, and there was a lot of talk about how brands are starting to look at items of clothing, making them much more unique to the wearer. So rather than there being, you know, a, a line of T-shirts from Zara that everybody owns, you actually would have uh, a piece of clothing that has an NFT sort of sewn into the garment, which is like a unique identifier, which shows you how it was made it helps with traceability and it can show you who made it and prove how sustainably it was made, etc. And also it would have different designs on it to, to make it more unique. And yeah, there was also discussions about AI and how that's um, a, a boon to creativity for a lot of designers, but also how it is very sustainable. So rather than fashion houses having to, you know, hire human models to try on different clothes that they've designed and rent out studio space, which can take, you know, a couple of days work with big teams of people. They can use, um, you know, digital technology to and AI to um, insert their designs onto AI models, as in not non-human models, and try it out that way. And that also helps with actually producing the garments and potentially throwing away the, the physical material, it, it sort of alleviates the, um, reduces that, sorry. Um, kind of like, could you do it like made to order sort of thing? So you take all the orders and then you only print what you need or you only like make as many yes, T-shirts they didn't talk about that, that, but that kind of thing. Yeah, but that is, an, that is an aspect. And also brands have, well, there was talk about brands have changed or are improving their internal processes using AI. So, they're, they're managing to reduce the time to produce new collections between seasons because they can more easily test out what the designs look like on models. Again, speaking to, um, the, you know, that lack of need for renting out a studio space, etc. So that's more cost effective and, and more sustainable. But I think the, the thing I found most interesting was with AI and and creativity at the moment, there's a lot of worry about, there's a lot of copyright issues because AI is trained on a wide range of, of source material and it's it's unclear exactly it, where they've got permissions from to to use different brands IP to you know inform the the AI to produce um, results so uh, James Joseph he's a founder of a magazine called Cyber he was saying that fashion houses are actually starting to implement he didn't name any fashion houses by the way I think he that's all kind of hush-hush at the moment, but fashion houses that are developing their own in-house AI to get around copyright issues because, you know, you can use a text image prompt saying, hey, I want to design this in the style of Chanel. And then that's what 50 plus years of um, material that the AI is indexed and can just churn that out. And that's an issue, obviously for for copyrights so um yeah the the fashion houses they might they might use mid journey initially to test this um but it's all about safeguarding their future and you know putting a stamp on their ip as well as using ai to you know help them spark new ideas for new designs as well so that's that's quite an interesting change i thought I can't remember the name of the brand, but when you first w- walked into the venue, they had a load of mannequins w- with the fashion displayed on it, and they all of those garments had NFTs, you know, built into the into the cufflinks, um, you know, digital codes and things like that. Um, and actually, the fashion was cool. It was very like street 
wear sort of design. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember what your other question was, Ellie. You did ask one a second ago, but we can uh, move on from it if you need to. I'm trying to, <laughs> while I try and remember that, I will ask, ask you more fashion <laughs> questions. Yes. Um, is it, so is it, yeah, more like of a thing where you can go, like, look at this, this is where it came from. Is there any sort of big brash designs incorporating NFTs like directly into the design or is it this sort of slick thing that you can say, oh, and by the way, it also does this? I think it's more the latter. It's more subtle. Yeah. Uh, than that but um, if, going back to Cute Circuit and Ra- Francesca Rosella she was wearing one of her garments which is like a, a jacket and it's got digital kind of like LED waves I suppose and there's software that um, is connected to that jacket so she can update the software um, change the, d- the design so, so what she was saying is there's people that have bought, say, that jacket or um, their, their mirrored Chanel handbag, which uses has LED lights and interactive design built into it. Say they bought that 10 years ago, which some of them did. They're still using those. They're still wearing those items or, or using the handbag because they update the, so- the software gets updated they update the designs and then, you know, the next time they go to see a friend, their jacket is displaying something different. So people are like, oh, I like your new jacket. And it's like, well, it's not new. And so that speaks again to the their, you know, their mission of making things more sustainable is, well, you've used that jacket now for over a decade, yeah. but you're still able to change the design and keep it fresh. Yeah, that is very sci-fi film futuristic being like, oh, what should I wear today? Boop, nope. The, yes. This one. Oh, I'll go and, for this. And it sounds like it wouldn't be comfortable, but I actually tried on Francesca's jacket. <gasps> really? And it's just like a normal blazer. And, you know, they've worked really, really hard to make the, the clothing comfortable so that you will wear it. Um, it's not like the Adobe project dress yeah. that was unveiled a that's few weeks ago. I'm thinking, is that with the scales? Yeah, that's it almost looks like fish scales and it changes. Yeah, it, that looked very... It, it looked yeah. deceptively... Um, the fabric looked deceptively soft but it's actually more like a quite a rigid um display dress with interactive yeah. designs built into it it's not got the soft fabric um but yeah i did actually put that to uh rosella uh, francesca rosella and uh, the, the other co-founder ryan at cute circuit and they just said all we would have liked was a little uh acknowledgement from adobe about that <laughs> there was there was no it, there was no acknowledgement in the notes, even though they did actually like email them about it and say, "Oh, we took inspiration from you." So, it's just wow. a little side oh, note. really? Well, well, little side note. Well, pin. it sounds like they're doing it better anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> but especially if it said, I mean, that's the thing that you do think it does look a little bit like, um, like it's going to feel like chainmail that mm. dress. But the jacket was like soft. How have they? How <laughs> like how does it? How does it work? It's like woven into the fabric. It, it's or, like ribbon technology it's as much as i understand the limits how, of that it's like flexible it? very thin yeah like a thread like your jumper it's thread. probably more like tagliatelle nice <laughs> okay that kind Delicious. of thickness <laughs> <laughs> people just eating their balloons yes <laughs> and you can just press it and it's lasagna <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry. the only future i want that's a future idea for them yeah at least <laughs> Can we talk a little bit now about your story, Isabel, that's out, uh, that should be out either as this goes out tomorrow or it will already be out and up and it's looking at Prospera. Can you tell us um, what is Prospera? Why have you been, why why are you interested in it? Okay, so I mean, I came across Prospera 
because of Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum. Uh, he was behind another kind of pop-up city that was focused on longevity. So there are a few of these, quite a lot of them actually, just pop-up cities. They're basically like large-scale long events where they occupy kind of like a village or something like that. And they're there for like two months, for example. Prospera isn't that. I mean, they're not pop-up. They're really trying to create this new city with their kind of like extra, like a new jurisdiction where they can make their own regulations and really kind of focus in on innovation. Um, in particular, kind of like financial uh, innovation and kind of medical innovation as well. Like I spoke to, it's included in the article, but I spoke to one of the founders that lives there who's also created a pop-up city that's there at the moment, actually. And he was really frustrated in, like, he's German. Uh, he was really frustrated in Europe and the US for creating, like, he couldn't create what he wanted to create. He's mainly focused on medical stuff um, because of regulation. Now, I mean, I'm of the idea that Medical regulation is there for a reason, but uh, there are quite a few people that are frustrated with um, regulation for creating bottlenecks and kind of really slowing down the process, not just in med medicine, but in like finance. And these are startups, so they don't have a lot of money most of the time to put up with kind of having to wait for approval for years and years and years so they want a little bit more of a streamlined experience and this is a frustration in a lot of the tech industry um, particularly from tech optimists I mean you've got Mark Andreessen who published his tech optimist manifesto which was basically calling for kind of free markets and less um, regulation on innovation and stuff like that and that now is the time to build. So, I mean, the creators of Prospera, they've been trying to do this for years, like at least a decade. Uh, but this is because they tried to get the jurisdiction. They are based in Honduras. They tried to get the, the jurisdiction to be able to create these um, new regulate whatever regulations they want, and just build a city that's always there, that always, kind of like a Dubai, but even more free like kind of thing um so yeah i focused in on prospera but that also kind of took me to the communities around prospera and other cities like prospera because i mean prospera is doing this already they're doing quite a good job so far i mean there's some issues which i might go into in a bit but um they are building but a lot of these cities, the pop-up cities, the ones that say that they're going to build in real life, some of them already have, but they're kind of like residential communities. They're not so, like, regulatory independent. Um, they are, like, they have a basis of digital community. So, really, they come together, these digital communities, like many digital communities, like whether you're a fan about a football club or whatever, they come together because they want to build a country or a city that is 
new and different and kind of without all of the stuff that we've inherited from uh, generations gone by. Um, and there's lots of these people, like, yeah. really I was going to say, like, you talk a bit in the article about how how people are connecting to form these groups. Mm -hmm. And, like, is there... Did you kind of see sort of like defining characteristics of the um, people who would go on these groups? Is there one platform that they're more likely to use or is it more um, like more men than women, more yeah. um, a certain age groups, that kind of thing? Um, definitely more men than women. Um, there are a few, even on the Prospera one. I mean, you know, you're going from a lot of them use aliases, a lot you don't actually know who they are uh, in a lot of cases. But based on the names that were on there, I think there was a few hundred on the Prospera one. They've got their own one. Uh, and like 50 of them were women, including me, based on the name, based on the name only. So they they might not be female or whatever. They might not identify like that. But um yeah, the majority of them are men. I'm part of another one called Country Founders, which is a really interesting one. Uh, and they've even commented on the fact that isn't it a bit weird that all men and like, like some people say that and then you've got a whole load of other people kind of shutting them down, saying that early civilizations are always male heavy and all this kind of stuff. And you're just kind of like, okay, mm. cool. It's quite interesting, like... Was it difficult to kind of focus in on what you wanted to write in oh, the God, article? <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I thought for a few moments, like, maybe I should just create this whole future of cities, like, <laughs> aspect to Digital Frontier and just yeah. propose it. But, um, yeah, no, it was so difficult. Yeah. The first draft was about 10,000 words and I, I like literally gave it to my editor Alice and I was like I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna have to cut this down I already know this but I just want to give you everything so you know yeah um but yeah we managed to get it down to about I think 4,000 words now because there's loads I mean there's loads in there it's so interesting how you could have like an entire digital um an entire digital city and yeah you don't have to have a physical presence to have that kind of those ideas in there and mm. then the fact that they are building they're building somewhere they've chosen a site you have the things of saying well it's already it's already a, a country and you're kind of building this site and saying well now this is going to be a new entity on its own separate from that but reliant on mm. them to some aspect and then like the social tokens idea and saying how much do you contribute to society the whole ethical thing of being like well yeah. how do you quantify someone's worth to society and reward based on that I'm like I don't know I yeah it sounds very black mirror yeah 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 I think that's what's so interesting the thing is like it I mean it is and it has the potential to be really black mirror but I mean, these are people that are just trying new things, which I, which is why I find it so fascinating is like some of these cities are not going to get built. They're just not. And they're not going to, or if they get built, uh, they won't have the kind of legal jurisdiction to do these kind of regulations and implement this kind of stuff. It'll be more like a kind of, I guess, culty thing where they have their own kind of economy thing. 
I don't want to call it cult or anything, but, you know, like they insular have their own kind of economy within it, but it's not technically kind of regulatory per se on the kind of global recognition front. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting as a, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, it's one of the person that I talked to called it a primordial soup of ideas. I think that's quite a good wait thing to call it. Yeah. And how focused are they on about building sustainable cities? Um, it depends on the uh, project. Okay. Some of them are very focused on sustainability. Um, some of them are, well, some of the people in the conversations, this is what I mean, like some of the ideas are very kind of extreme or not what I agree on, but like um, they're against sustainable, like climate change, you know, those kind of people who climate change deniers kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, there are a few that I've looked at, which are definitely focused on sustainability and making sure that they're implementing kind of sustainable building practice. Like Prospera has a sustainable building practice kind of involved. They use like 3D printers, big large scale construction ones uh, to reduce building stuff, like building waste. Um, I'm not sure whether they're using that for their high rise, but I know that they used it on one of the other buildings. Um, and then you've got other ones which are looking at kind of like sea pods. I talked to a guy who's involved in creating prototypes of these kind of, he calls them sea pods. They basically go on the sea. It's like a development of seasteading, which is one of these kind of uh, digital community idea things where you can go into international waters and bypass this whole thing of the kind of recognition from a country because you'll be in international waters and anything goes there um and as the sea rises you just float exactly exactly <laughs> but they're using kind of like algae they're using like he the guy that i talked to actually uh, created a kind of farming system that used solar panels and um kind of stuff to change seawater into water for plants and all that kind of stuff so i mean there's some really ingenious things kind of coming into play thanks for listening to the first ever digest from digital frontier and thank you for joining me charlotte kroll and isabel castro you can find more of the stories that we talked about today online if you head to digitalfrontier.com you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at digitalfrontier.com and we'll be back next week <laughs> <laughs>